Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The once mighty had fallen off. The NBA All-Star Game used to be a must-watch. Growing up for me, for Kyle and Derek as well, and for you out there, not so much anymore. We have a lot to talk about from that, as we saw there for our thumbnail on the photo, the horrendous display of basketball (laughs) on Sunday. Only way to put it. Welcome to the PHLY Sixers Podcast. And as a PHLY Sixers Podcast, we now have to welcome our new official beer sponsor of PHLY Sixers, Coors Light. Yes, you hear this. You hear the opening of the can right there from Kyle Newbeck. So welcome Which again. Air cheers to Coors Derek with Light, his can down there. The official beer sponsor of PHLY Sixers. So open your, you have the day off. You have the day off. So open yours at home. Federal like holiday, baby. Kyle and Derek have opened theirs. So we appreciate Coors Light. They're going to be a part of this show uh, for, for a little while here. So we want to Probably welcome Probably for them. longer than I will be. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'll have to check uh, yeah. the contract details on that <laughs> one. But thank you to our friends at Coors Light. Thank you to our good friends at Coors Light. Again, uh, part of the Molson Coors family of beers, the official beer across PHLY and all city. Tastes pretty good. Cold right there. Start I mean, to show off. Well, you that- need it. You need that it after Rocky that. Mountain refreshment. Rocky Mountain refreshment <laughs> after a horrendous display of basketball. Derek Bodner, Kyle Newbeck, I'm Devon Gibbons. Brianna producing you with us on this Monday as we get ready for the second half of the basketball season. Big, big games for the Sixers coming up. But before we get there, we have to discuss. Tyrese Massey was in the All-Star game. He scored. A lot of them scored. Did Bam Adebayo ever score? I think yes, he, was, he, he threw did. it. He threw it off of Jokic's back, then hit a three. All right, I was yeah, going to say, right. he hit a pull-up yeah. three yeah, at yeah, that. Yeah, that. He was, did, yeah. A little so, bit out of his wheelhouse. So Tyrese Maxey scored. He had a you know decent game, and his head, his head coach, as you said, Kyle, decided to pull him out of the game pretty quickly coming up. Yeah, not, nobody's ever accused Doc Rivers of having too much time for Tyrese Maxey. So he really no. on brand moment 
on-brand moment. But look, on-brand was not the all-star game of how good it used to be. We can think of memorable ones. A lot of people are showing the 2001. You talked about it on Friday, Kyle, how great that game was, how those guys competed, all the stuff that they did out there to make this a game. Giannis, overly competitive in the game oftentimes. LeBron James wanted to win the game quite often in these all-star games as the ice is melting and dropping and positioning <laughs> itself live right here. That's on real the ice. That's real. I, Rocky Mountain refreshment with the ice there on the table. But man, Derek, I start with you, man. I mean, the game used to be really, really fun. We always talk about who's the starter's going to be, who deserves to be there, get the recognition to be on that stage. And once we go through all of that, they get out there and the product is just not any good anymore. Yeah. And look, I struggle with this because, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be. I always wonder if there's just a little old man yells at Cloud in my takes on the All-Star game. Part of it's also tainted oh, by the gonna fact... I'm going to yell at some clouds over here Part today. of it's also tainted by the fact that I've gone to two of them now and they are tough to cover because you get really terrible access when you, you're maybe the most excited you can be to write like a future article. doesn't matter to any of you listening. So I'm actually curious whether or not people enjoy the All-Star game by and large. A lot of people tune in. I think there are like five to six million people watching on Saturday night. So some people still do. So before we get into completely killing the All-Star game, I do want to say there are moments where like when Halliburton scores like 18 points in two minutes of play in front of the indie crowd. And like, it's clearly, this has been a goal for him all of his life. There's still like, like personal moments um, that I think I can appreciate. Uh, like I said, for a lot of these players, especially the young players, this is the accomplishment of a lake lifelong dream, including Tyrese Maxey. Unfortunately, he was playing under doc again, thought he escaped them, but he didn't. So I think that part is cool. And there are certainly moments of the weekend that I think are cool. Uh, the three point contest, which I'm sure we will get to, but the game is atrocious. It's not something I necessarily enjoy watching. You know, there's no stakes. There's no intensity. There's no, it doesn't resemble a basketball game at all. It's not even close to a facsimile. And I don't know how you change really any of that. And I know Kyle tweeted out, like, take away the three-point line last night. That was his solution. Well, the problem is, like, there was a, a, a LeBron James transition dunk in the first quarter, I think it was, where it's not like he was running hard for that. He was running at 50% speed. It's just that lane was there because everybody else was operating at 25% speed. <laughs> I don't know how you fix that without like a huge financial incentive and it would have to be a monstrous financial incentive because most of these players are paid very 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 handsomely uh, i just like we were joking around before the show of like make this count towards your 65 game quota or something like that that's not a serious solution i just don't think there's any real way to fix the format if the players fundamentally don't care i'll start with this i am not expecting with all the the various incentives for guys to have playoff level effort in an all-star game, right? Like nobody expects or even wants that. It's, right. it's not reasonable. I get it. But I think what really didn't sit right with me throughout the whole weekend and has for a long time is like, how many things can we say don't matter in the NBA before it's just like, well, fucking nothing matters. And, Nobody cares about the regular season anymore, except for people like us who are absolute like basketball diehards. Nobody cares about the all-star game. You can make the playoffs, but nobody really cares if you just make the playoffs. You have to at least make a conference finals. And if you don't win a ring, it's like, well, you know, that, that guy's not good enough, all that. So like, we're basically invalidating every single step of the process. The games don't matter. The midseason events don't matter. The awards don't matter. The playoff appearances don't matter. The stats don't matter. Okay, well then, why the fuck would anybody pay attention to this sport? Like, serious question. 
we're in an era where there are more available entertainment options than any other time in the history of earth. And so like, I get it. It's going to be a more subdued, more like kid friendly. Like that's the thing I always think about, right? This is something that's more for young people. Kids who were first getting into the game, like, Ooh, look at that dunk. Ooh, look, that guy shot from 50 feet away and made it. Oh, that's, that's amazing. He jumped over a mascot and all that stuff. I get that. This is not base level an event for me. I am just getting sick and tired of whenever there's a pushback on like, Hey, the NBA screwed this up or this has gotten worse or these guys aren't competing. It's like, well, they should throw more money at these guys or it's no man. Guys should fucking care about the league and the sport that they are the caretakers of. And I'm not going to sit here and act like every single all-star game before 2008 or whatever was, you know, a perfect hard fought, whatever. There are plenty of blowouts in those games too, but it has clearly just become a gigantic joke for the league to the point that the commissioner of the NBA after the game happened, essentially was shaming his players on the microphone. Like that's fucking bad. Again, he is not an unbiased observer here. They're in the middle of contract negotiations for the next national TV deal. So everything Adam Silver says is through that lens. But yeah, I think he would have liked a huge showing on what is still, one of the, I think, the most watched non-finals game of this calendar season for the NBA. He would certainly like more intensity. And it is something where it's just like, you need the players to care. And like, there's so much talk and... It all comes down to, I think, a lot of, like, everything, like you mentioned, is about winning a championship. That's how executives are rated. That's how legacies are built for players. Uh, That's, like, they're going to do everything they can to try to get a little, like, Tyrese Maxey, a little bit of an ankle thing. He's not going to go all out. But there's a wide gap between going all out and what we saw last night. And I just don't know how you incentivize these players to really really actually truly care well i think part of it as you said adam silver said what adam silver said but you also had one of the players one of the young bright stars of this team top team in the western conference and anthony edwards saying post game it's a break he came out and said during one during his post game uh, availability this is a break for us and we're not going to go out there and go hard and balls to the wall and really get after it in this particular game because it's just that. They do all they do for the entire season, and for them to get in this spot, this is a break for the NBA, even though they are all-stars. And that is the problem. That That is a big problem when one of your bright young stars in today's game openly says that. When then you have someone like Giannis, who's interviewed pregame and is saying how we don't want to go out there and play hard. And... Uh, LeBron James in the fourth quarters of these games in the past have said, no, we really need to turn this up because I want to win. Whether it's the purse that they're going to win as the winning team or whatever it might be, the pride, the, the the fact that they can talk smack to each other going forward, whatever it is, when you have one of your young players saying that that's the face of the league going forward, that's a big problem. And he said it openly. He had no, I love Anthony Edwards and he says a lot of stuff and I appreciate him and his honesty, but that was bad. And that's a bad, bad light right there for the NBA. And that is right there for the commissioner to see that. How are they going to fix it? I don't know, because we have already seen every time we've looked at all-star games growing up, they were fun. Young, young people that you have now, when we were young, that's what pulled us in. We still like it, but Major League Baseball has changed theirs already. The 
Pro Bowl is now the Pro Bowl games because they don't play tackle football anymore. They play different skills challenges in these games now where they don't go out there and get physical because the game is not the same. It's not the injuries. It's that the game wasn't fun anymore. And now you have the same thing in the NBA over the last couple of seasons where, Kyle, you said they shot a combined 168 three-pointers between the East and the West. Who wants to watch that? That's not fun. Uh, yeah, that's what the three-point contest that's is for. That's fucking bullshit. And like, nobody turns really on the game bad. and wants to yeah. see a bunch of guys nah. pulling up from 40 feet. It's like, you, we talk about, oh, well, they need to play harder on defense. You can't play defense out the 40 feet. Like, that's ridiculous, which is the whole reason I tweeted last night. I'd rather they just scrap the three-point line. Like, yes, you're not going to solve anything or everything, there are going to be guys that just walk in for dunks and layups, but when there's no incentive to cover the three-point line, teams are going to pack the paint, and so you're going to have to find ways to score just because of that. So that's the only reason I really went there. I'm not somebody who's like an old man, get off my lawn about the three-point line in general. Like I think we've all been proponents of Joel Embiid shooting threes, even when he was, you know taking a lot of heat for stepping out, taking jumpers in his early years. But when you have 168 threes in a 48-minute game, and the West, here's the worst part. At least the Eastern Conference, they made those at like a 43% clip, right? So there's a reason to take them. The West shot basically dead average, (laughs) 35.2% on 71 threes. Nobody wants to watch any professional do something successfully, unless you're talking about baseball players, 35% of the time. And look, the East was way smaller in terms of size of the players versus the West. So you can understand why they want to have a, a, a faster pace and speed up the game and get up and down the floor and, and still try to win the game. But So they got 20-plus more threes up than the Western Conference. But Outside of that, man, the 168 is really, 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 really excessive to get that many three-pointers up in in an exhibition game. It's a glorified pickup game now. When you go out and play now, right, Derek, when you play pickup, Kyle, when you play pickup now, you go wherever you go, whatever place you go to play basketball, guys just shoot the jumper. They shoot the three, whether it's a two-pointer or whatever it might be. Guys want to pull up from behind the three-point line and shoot, and that's exactly what they do in this glorified pickup game now. With all the lights, though. See, we play without the three-point line. It's not Do a three. You? It's not a two. It's just straight one. It's just straight one. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We yeah. play two behind the three-point line. You guys line. play with a peach basket, too? Or? I mean, look, it's, it's because there's no good solution, right? Because if you make it worth double, no, then you have people taking are, bad shots. And twos and threes, you yeah. got to do math. Yeah, no, we're game. not doing so math. That, that's we're, not acceptable. We're all out there to get away from our Even family and get a little cardio, yeah. and we don't need to be doing Even math. Even more yeah. arguments, right. Yeah, no, but no, nah, it, it was too much. And I mean... You brought up Ann Edwards, too. And Edwards was dicking around in the skills competition, shooting left-handed jumpers. Yes, he was. Like, that's another. Like, again, he's just having some fun, whatever. I get it, but also, bro, you're competing against other All Stars. You're competing against Maxi and Trey Young and Scotty Barnes. I wouldn't put it that level. No. Like, who cares? But also, you're on Wemby's team. The but that was thing. my like, thing. He's on Wemby and Paolo Baccaro's team, and you know the just, Indiana guys just, are going to bring it. He just got maxed out. So he has money. While they're going to get theirs eventually, right now in this moment, there's a purse there for them. He's just messing around shooting lefty while these guys, I I don't know how hard they were actually playing, but it's like the purse is there. What are you doing, man? Why are you doing this? And and the money is on the line for these guys. I thought that was was a bit too much for him to do that. I just like, 
you bring up the money though. And I just, I'm sick of hearing like, oh, they got to give them like a ton of money in order for them no. to, to care about a basketball game. You see, obviously it's the highlights and bits and pieces of pickup games. These guys play in the summer. Those games are way more intense than we see in the all-star game. Even in the little like highlight packages, guys are going one-on-one and attacking one another and taking some pride on defense and whatever. Like, just give me that. I'm not asking for the, it to be game seven of the finals. How about summer pickup game level? That would be acceptable to me. There was a clip going around <laughs> social media because of this where Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant, was talking about how the games, the Rico Hines, UCLA runs are way more competitive than the All-Star games. That's exactly what Kyle is talking about because the, they are. They are. These guys play dozens and dozens of games that nobody sees every single year, right? Like these guys, to be at the level they're at, the one thing you would say that you give them credit for, the skill gap between now and earlier eras. Not even close. It's not close. Like yeah. guys were not able to hit pull-up threes consistently from 35 feet out in any other era of basketball. So that tells you that the skill development and the work that they put in is significant, but then show us how hard that you work and that you play when the lights aren't on, when the lights are actually on. Like I, I don't know. That just seems like a really simple concept to me. Well, after they play that, that game and get a little thirsty, maybe not, maybe, maybe not, but uh, something that they need to quench their thirst, man, after a game like that. Well, you do something like that, we talk about our new sponsor here on the PHLY Six. And guys, podcast. listen, you hear me very worked up today, a little more worked up than these two, but that's kind of typical. And from your day-to-day annoyances to the big stuff, like your favorite team losing in the second round over and over again, mm. sorry if that's a deep cut, mm. it's very easy to get worked up and caught up in day-to-day life, but there is a better way and there is a chiller way When you walk out of the Wells Fargo Center mad the Sixers blew a big lead, you can choose chill by reaching for an ice-cold Coors Light. And with Coors Light, you know you're getting an ice-cold beer because the mountains turn blue on the bottles and cans when they hit that perfect temperature. One of the best features, most innovative features I've seen in a beer. Guys, when I'm on vacation with my family, we tend to get after it. We do a lot of hiking. I play tennis, a lot of outdoor activities, go to the beach. When you're when you finish a long hike on a hot day and you can pull out a beer you know is cold before it hits your hands, that's just such a great feeling. Cold, Coors Light is a cold layered, cold filtered, cold packaged beer that has a smooth finish. It is mountain cold refreshment. So even if the state of Colorado tries to get me fired because I make fun of fans from Denver, I can still choose chill by choosing a crisp and refreshing Coors Light. So when you choose to rise above it all, Choose Chill, choose Coors Light. You can get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash P-H-L-Y basketball. That's right. We have our own code. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company from Golden, Colorado. And you know where you can most likely get one of those and quench your thirst at an event? Well, maybe like a basketball game or something in the city. Here in Philadelphia on Thursday as the second half of the basketball season gets underway. You need a ticket to get in to actually drink that beverage as you talk about while you're chilling to watch the game. And that's game time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful at all. 
at all. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. If you bought a ticket to the uh, the game for for hopefully the, didn't buy a ticket to All Star. That's what I was saying. If you bought one, <laughs> you're probably a little disappointed because they did not give the effort. If you did, hopefully you had a good time. And I hope that you went to Game Time because with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have at that particular event. And flash deals, last minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, not just basketball, maybe baseball with the season getting ready to get started in March here in Philadelphia, late March. Images of the seat views, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. And Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Again, whether it's the the comedy show, theater, basketball, football, baseball concerts, or more, the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find those tickets in the same section or row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference, even with the ice dropping right there. Because that's what it needs to do right now as it melts right here on the table. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase like I have on my phone. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. By the way, we got Tyler Simpson in the chat asking, you guys yeah, going to crack open those brewskis? Buddy, I've been drinking on the show. What are you talking about? That's right now. So, Tyler, now that you asked them that, you have to make sure you open yours while you're watching the show. Cart, go to Instacart. Go to CoorsLight.com slash PHLY Basketball. You can get a Coors Light of your own. There you go. And jump right in. Well, so I do think that the effort is worse than it used to be. But yeah. I think it's always been bad. I don't think there's ever been great effort outside of maybe the final five minutes. And I don't think the final five minutes ramps up anymore, in part because they're usually blowouts. And I think both of those problems are sort of exacerbated by a three-point line because when you are five feet away from the shooter, like your lack of effort looks worse than when you're defending a post-up and you're at least leaning on them. I think visually it just looks way worse. Uh, and also because there's just more blowouts nowadays in today's NBA because of the volatility of the three-point shot. One team's on, one team's off. You tend to not have a close game at the end. That's in part why I'm a little bit surprised that they did away with the Elam ending and with the quarter thing, because at least that was a way to manufacture a little bit of tension. But I think the All-Star game has always been generally a subpar product. Like, I think it's mostly a recognition for people who deserve it and a showcase for casual and or young fans. To me, it's always been, there's been enough events surrounding it that at least almost everybody had something that they were entertained by. And that to me is what All-Star Weekend has been about. I do think that three-point shooting is still compelling television. Both the the three-point contest proper and the Steph versus Sabrina matchup, I think that was pretty good. And I think it just goes to show you, like, when there's some kind of tension, even if, because three-point shooting by itself isn't an inherently fun thing. Like, you're watching a guy do the same thing 30 times in a row or 25 times in a row. Like, you would think you would get bored of it, but there's a little bit of tension because we see the clock counting down. We know there's only you know, five shots left coming into the final rack. You know how many points they need to win. There's manufactured tension built in. And I think that still works. Even in this day and age, when we see three pointers all the time, I think that contest and that one to one head up matchup, uh, I think that was good television. I think it was fun. I do think too, like as much as the all-star game has always been scaled back effort. If you go back through history, there are definitely examples of like, for example, Michael Jordan getting frozen out in an all-star game as a young guy. Like 
guys didn't like each other because there was less movement. And mm-hmm. the, there is definitely a part of this that is because there's so much player movement now and there's not as much of the one team for your whole career type of players. Everybody's more buddy, buddy and friendly. And I've always hated that narrative. Like I still think that guys can be ultra competitive, but I do think you see that manifest here. Like nobody's out to really compete or humiliate anybody. They're all concerned with, they have so many handlers, they're their sneaker people, their manager, their agent. And they're training with each other in the off season. Right. Like they're rival players that have the same trainer that spend weeks together in the off season. Joel Embiid and Jason Tatum like each other. That wouldn't happen in the 80s. Honestly, one of the only things I liked in that game was Tyrese Maxey missed a three. Jalen Brown got an offensive rebound and Tyrese was wide open in the corner and Jalen Brown looked at him and then was like, nah, fuck that. I'm not giving him the ball. And I was like, that's what I want to see. Even guys on the same team because they're Sixers and Celtics are like, nah, I'm not giving you the ball. He passed it to Jason Tatum Bring back though. that mentality. He passed it to his teammate. Yes, he did. He absolutely <laughs> did. So what did you make, Derek? You brought up the Sabrina Curry uh, three-point shootout. Entertaining. Yeah. No, I mean, it's great. First of all, it's two people who are incredible at their craft. Uh, they performed well. And, and she was there hot had, to there start. had real t- oh, wow. she, she put Steph, pressure she on She came that right first away. rack. I was like, Steph's done. <laughs> well, and then Steph struggled a little bit there on the, the wings. And I'm like, coming to that final rack, I didn't know if Steph was going to win it. That was a, that was, and like I said, just the fact that you can, even in something that shouldn't necessarily have high stakes, you can manufacture a little bit of tension. It just, it works. It works. I felt like he was going to come back. Even the way she got off to that hot start, I'm like, oh, she's putting the pressure on immediately. But he's been in so many situations where they were high-pressure situations. Like, all right, but she has him on his heels immediately, and this is going to be fun to see how he responds to it. And he did. He missed his first couple, and then he knocked down, I think, the fourth and then the money ball. And on the wing, as you said, he struggled, but then he started rolling. And it was like, okay, Steph is going to – and then he what, he won by one point, 27, 26, 26, 25, whatever it was, that, that he defeated her. But 29, 20, it was I thought he was up And then 20. I'll say this, too. I'll say this, too, because I got on my thing, I think it was last week, about somebody I don't particularly care for that does television. A lot was going around about Kenny Smith and the stuff that he was saying during that event and yeah. how she needed to shoot from the women's three-point line or whatever the hell he was saying. I, I think that's the greatest show on television. It's the entertainment, the fun, and yeah. all that stuff. Him, I, I could do without. And he was especially bad this weekend. People were talking, oh, he's uh, Kenny's drunk. Joel and, Embiid tweeted, yeah, Kenny all, Smith's been drinking. Yeah, he's been drinking. Maybe he was having these Coors Light, but he was bad. Coors Light doesn't poison your mind like he that. He was really bad. No, he doesn't. No, it doesn't. But he was really bad, I thought, with his commentary during the entire between that and then the dunk contest, what we can get, that's a whole separate thing. He was probably right about that, but I thought he was terrible at, at what he was, the things that he was saying. And he's, I, I well, with the Sabrina thing, come on, I, man. I don't even understand what the point was. Like, she matched in the like normal three point competition, the, the, and she, she matched the four yeah. guys who were tied going yes. into the finals. From the NBA three-point line. And she shot with her basketball. Was she supposed to shoot with the NBA rock? No. She shot with her I, basketball. Yeah. And Reggie Miller honestly got, like, thrown in with him because he was trying to say to Kenny, hey, this is stupid, yes. man. Like, yeah. I that whole thing was ridiculous. So uh, that was cool. I would like to see – I'd almost like to see it expanded, like when Caitlin Clark inevitably jumps to the league, put her in there, some of these other shooters. It's just, just – sure. 
something different, like try new things. That, that to me is the lesson from that. It's not that you have to lean into, Hey, NBA versus WNBA stuff. Just try different stuff. And I know that they cycle through a lot of things. You guys remember when they did the wheel for the dunk contest and how ridiculous that was Mm -hmm. like spin the big wheel of fortune thing. I'm not saying you have to do shit like that, but you mentioned bringing back horse. They tried horse before it didn't work. Yeah. Well, the and problem that was, is that was outdoor too. That, so that that'll was just be a guy's taking 40 foot threes over and over again <laughs> until the competition ends, which is the same problem. That's as how the you All-Star get Ben game. Simmons back in the all-star game. Let him do half court shots. The, he, the he would great always, photo of everyone looking at him. He'd be eliminated immediately puzzle. though. No, but he used to <laughs> always take trick shots. They're like, because, oh. never mind. <laughs> the dunk yeah. contest stunk it up though. Yes. It was, that was bad. That was, was really bad. Wild for because you know what Brown. I did. I went on afterwards, and people were posting the Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon one, and and Vince Carter with his, and that compared to what we just saw and what we just witnessed. And Kyle, you Texas, and I was like, man, I stopped after this certain part because <laughs> it, it was Jalen yeah. Brown. How dare he disrespect the dunk contest like that? It How was, dare he? You wanted I, him to 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 do well so you can see the I other stuff. I said it on the show. I was to, hoping to, he'd do to well. come back and and maybe get them to care again. That was terrible well, what he was doing. It was wild. The D Brown thing. He dunks in and act like he was blind. He was dab. Oh, he didn't even dab. Come on, <laughs> man. He wasn't even close <laughs> to blindfolded. But so the the, the crowd <laughs> booed one of his dunks. The announcers were talking about how that would have been a good dunk in 1991, and somehow the judges put him in the final. I don't. No idea how that happened. And to his credit, I thought his best dunk in night came in the finals, but he shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been close. Which one was his best dunk? The I don't one? remember. I just remember I seeing the, the dunk in the finals the and thinking dunk. that was his best dunk. I thought the first dunk. one was the best dunk. Well, they didn't did even the show his first yeah. dunk. I know. How bad was that? Yo. What was, and who was the guy that he brought out in Dominique Wilkins' uniform? Uh, I don't even know because he did bring out what's his name, Sanat. Yeah, the the streamer, the five dude. foot three guy who then sat down in a chair that yeah, he dunked over. That was because and Jason Tatum threw a, a bad pass the first one, the second one he nailed. But come on, all right, all right, that was terrible. I think we've done enough. I do think yeah. I do think Mac deserved the win, so they got the winner right. Give him credit for that. I think that they only got dunk- the winner right because somebody from Vegas made a call like, "Hey, we're gonna get." Inve- FanDuel is going to get investigated for the match fixing that's going on here. No, I think though, I, I think he won it from his first dunk when he did the pass to himself over the head. I'm when he like caught it and threw it. And we were talking a little bit about how there are no new dunks before the show. I'm surprised nobody has tried to recreate the Iguodala behind the backboard because yeah. that that to me is one of the best when dunk contest dunks ever. When Iverson threw oh. the the pass off of the backboard. And Aaron he, Gordon and um, Aaron Gordon did it in that dunk contest. Did he? Yeah. I guess I don't remember that one because yeah. it's not one of the. Uh, it was uh, uh, what was the point guard's name? I, I can't remember. Um, but he threw it off the, the side of the backboard. Yeah. Side, I think, is different. I thought Iggy was like fully behind. He the was backboard. fully behind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He no, had, I he meant had to the duck pass. his head to get. I meant the pass. You talking about the one from Iverson where he threw it off the side of the backboard? No, he threw it. I'm saying he threw it off the back of the backboard. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. The one on the the bottom corner of the backboard. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, you got it. My fault. I That's thought you were a, I want to see something side. like that again. But yeah, that who was, cares? It's all star. We just spent 25, 30 minutes talking about it, but it, it's all star because it'll never get fixed. Yeah, that, that, yeah, There's too much money involved because we have eight days off in a row without games, so we have to talk about something. 
Well, there's actually quite a bit to talk about still. I can't and believe we'll get we get to that. Well, there are some games coming up, which we want to make sure that we tell you about because we are having another takeover uh, on the 23rd against the Cavs. Come down, hang out. Devon, Kyle, and I will all be in attendance. Uh, so go to allphly.com slash events. Get those tickets. Excited to see you there. We're also going to do a pregame watch party uh, and a postgame show at Chicken or the Egg in Marlton and the, the, against the Celtics on the 27th. So if you're in the area, come hang out. Uh, grab a beer. We can sit grab there. Grab a Coors Light. We can sit there even. and talk basketball, uh, and then we'll do a show there after the game. Uh, so again, a takeover at the Wells Fargo Center, 23rd against the Cavs, and then a watch party at Chicken or the Egg in Marlton, New Jersey, on the 27th against the Celtics. Uh, and also just like go check out our diehard stuff. We've had a lot of diehards join the Discord recently. Uh, a lot of new members coming in. You get some access to some hoodies, discounts on merch. You get a free shirt, all of our writing, all kinds of stuff. So go check that out, allphly.com. We'll even get Devon in there. In a, if, if, if you join today, we'll get You can't keep Devon. promising it with we'll no delivery Devon from the Devon. Discord for the first time in his life. I was busy this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> he was helping Mikhail get his coach fired. <laughs> Mikhail didn't get his coach fired. His coach got himself fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we want to get into that then? You want to do that or the, 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 the new guy first? Let's do Darius Baisley yeah, first. Let's get the new guy first. 76 assigned Darius Baisley from the Delaware Blue Coast to a 10-day contract, formerly of the Brooklyn Nets. He was let go. Well, the coach didn't play him. Maybe he would have saved Jacques Vaughn's job. That's it. Yeah. Know. But uh, all right. So a 10-day contact. The contract missing piece. Darius Baisley. 10-day <laughs> contract for Darius Baisley. He's been playing really well for the Blue Coast. Also part of the showcase that they have for their all-star uh, situation there in the G League. 10-day yeah. uh, contract, though. Uh, Kyle, what do you make of 10-day contract? Probably just a, a little bit of a, a you know something right now as we Kyle Lowry takes one. We've been talking about Ricky Council the fourth, maybe getting one of those roster spots, and we'll see about the, the, the third. But right now, Darius Baisley, 10-day contract. What do you make of him, the player, the spot right now for the Sixers? I would say I kind of view it as just a placeholder right now I think one you're probably just rewarding a guy who has played super well in Delaware right yep. like mm -hmm. the stats 21 have been and 10. Yep. 21 and 10 you had a big game in recently December. yeah 43 and I know one point yeah yeah so when you and look I think under Doc as well I think the synergy between the Blue Coats and the Sixers has been pretty good that the communication between head coach there head coach of the Sixers has been good. So guys are getting, let's say, at least semi-meaningful reps down there that they can come in and they know what they're walking into system-wise, structure-wise. I certainly think Ricky Council proves that. Like, Ricky's been an important part of that Blue Coats team. So I, the hope would be that Darius can translate some of what he's done in Delaware. I don't think, based on the conversations I've had, or had at least leading into the trade deadline, that he was the sort of player that they were after as like a big, and that's what Baisley is now, right? Like he has transitioned into more yep. of a, not a true center, but he plays a lot of small ball center or power forward. Those are basically the only two spots that he's playing at this point. And it's just a at six, eight good athlete can rebound, can block some shots, but is going to get bodied by bigger guys. So I don't think he changes a whole lot if you were to use him in the four spot next to i don't know paul reed i guess 
Or maybe if you played a front court, that's like him and Batum, him and Covington, if Covington ever plays again, some decent length and athleticism and things you could do there. But I would say it's more of a, Hey, give them like a nice reward type yeah, of 10 day than someone they're expecting. You're to play. down a couple bodies. If you're going to reward a, a guy playing well, if you're a G league team, now's the time to do it. Um, you know, to your point, he's having a real good season down there. One thing he's not doing well is shooting the basketball. Shooting yeah. 29%. And that's been three. his problem. That's the whole. always been the problem. He's just a career 31% three point shooter in the NBA. He has some size. He has some skills. Uh, but if you're going to be a negative assist turnover guy and you can't shoot, it's going to be hard to carve out an NBA career, even as a small ball center. That is why I think you've seen him transition to being more of a small ball center because he just doesn't have uh, the shooting and the decision making to be more of a perimeter player. But you would have loved to have seen, like, if you're talking about this being a rebound year in the G League, yeah, the 21 10 is great, three and a half assists, yada, yada, yada. He needs to shoot the basketball and you shoot it well. He hasn't been doing that. Uh, it's going to be tough to carve out a role on any team, especially one on this team. But. Like I said, they're down a couple bodies. They need some minutes. He's been playing well. You want to reward him, but I mostly view it as a tryout and a reward because otherwise it wouldn't be a 10-day contract. It would be a rest of the season contract. It's not what we're talking about. We'll see how he does. And it's similar to when you talk about, you know, just a placeholder and the type of way that he's used right now. And you think of what we talked about last week when the Phoenix Suns signed Thaddeus Young as a as a buyout guy. That's the type of, you know, the size, the 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 type of play, but Thaddeus Young is Thaddeus Young and Darius Baisley is Darius Baisley. So totally different in that way where you have one that's proven later in his, his career, of course, the amount of years that Thaddeus Young ha has been around, but is someone that teams trust for what he does as a small ball center. But if Darius Baisley were to ever get to that level, that's the type of player that you would probably look for in Thaddeus Young, that, that type of role that he plays as a small ball center uh, in that way. So very curious to see. I mean, he was one of those guys that went overseas when he came out of high school to to start his professional career. Um, what what was he working for? New Balance? Uh, because I think uh, he was, Rich Paul, I think he was technically considered a New Balance intern, intern. if I remember correctly. Yeah. And he was one of the first ones to sign with New Balance because Rich Paul Clutch, his agent, uh, got that going. And New Balance is now taking off in a different way with so many players. Well, uh, wearing New Balance, Tyrese Maxey being one of the faces of the New Balance basketball program. But Baisley started that way, went to the Oklahoma City Thunder. He was drafted that next season, and he never really – he could never really catch on. And if you remember at that time when he was brought into the Oklahoma City Thunder as a first-round pick, they were still figuring it out. They were still very, very young, and he would get well, minutes. He would not get minutes. He had a lot of pedigree. He was like a top 15, top yeah. 20 RSC. Kind and that's of why he went overseas to play yeah. because he they, they were he was highly coveted yeah. as a prospect coming out of high school. And it just hasn't you know worked out. Was he overseas or was he a G League guy? No, it was he G was, League. Was he G League? I thought it was a G sure League guy. Okay. I thought he went overseas and played. You're thinking, uh, is it Terrence Ferguson went to that's Australia? And he yeah. also was with the Thunder. Yes. yes. So you're right. Sorry about that. But Darius Baisley to the G League, and then the intern for New Balance because they were trying to... And to that point, Devon, actually, I think Adam Silver was asked about this over the weekend. There was some questioning about the G League Ignite and sort of the viability yes. of that program. Because of the Now NILs. that NIL right. is such a, a prominent thing in college basketball, and it seems like the NBA is reevaluating that. And look, I'm all for these guys having whatever options they want i do think that if you look at a lot of these guys that have come out of the ignite 
it doesn't seem like they've gotten the meaningful reps that you would hope for, that the structure for whatever reason has not been as good for them as you would hope. Now, some of that could just be this is a small sample. There are only so many guys that have entered the yep. G League Ignite program. So it could just be issues with those guys. They were misevaluated in high school, right? Like if if the G League Ignite had existed and, for example, the Harrison twins who went to Kentucky back in the day were yeah. two of the big Ignite guys, we'd be like, oh, it failed. But they also failed at Kentucky, right? Like they were not who they were billed as coming out of high school. So it's hard to say, but... I think Baisley, along with some other guys, have learned that, you know, right to the G League might not be as good as, especially I think in, he's more of a wing tweener type prospect. I think for guards, being the man on a college team, I think, just as I think about it philosophically, probably makes more sense than throw a guy in with a bunch of pros at 18 in the G League. That's a sink or swim, and in most cases, it's sink. Whereas you get two years in college, even one year in college to figure out as teams plan for just you. I think that's a meaningful experience that you might not get as a G League guy. Yeah, I mean, I think to your initial point, a lot of this probably comes down to it's been a small sample size and we can read yeah. too much into it. Like, for example, I mentioned he was the top 20 recreated recruit in high school. The guy right after him in that ranking was Lewis King. He's also in the G League right now. I'm not saying he didn't work and out because he went to college. he's been a very good college, G League player. Yeah, but like yeah. It, it's just, it's... Out when you get outside of the top five in a high school ranking, like shit just tends to be uh, tough to predict. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing people get another path. I wouldn't mind seeing players get a chance to get paid in an environment where they're being developed. But I think we need a little more information before we really know whether it works or not. Yeah. Only, only ignite person I can really think of is Jalen Green. For me, I think uh, in terms Green, of it working, Kuminga, Bochamp. Didn't Bochamp? Kaminga, Bochamp. Okay. Because the and Kaminga took wins. a while, but yeah. also he probably he was viewed as a long term project type prospect yeah. when he was coming I out think of the Kyle's process. point might have some merit where like a toolsy wing might be better off going against pros because you can learn. Whereas like a short guards, scoring guard, right. you want to go against people you have a chance to succeed against so you don't completely change your approach before you've had a chance to physically develop. It's it's tough to say though. It's if I knew the answers, I'd be making a ton of money spearheading this stuff or yeah. working in a front office or whatever. So I'm just – anyway, to, more to the point, I think Baisley, if we're trying to find a use case for him, like let's just say guys are still hurt, whatever, I would say you could probably put him in some small, just switchable lineups. Now, who is available that's actually a switch defender at that point? That's uh, a great question, but – between Baisley, Ricky Council, Ubre, if Melton comes back, if Batum is back, there's some decent switch lineups they can put on the floor and spread it out. Now, you can spread it out and Baisley still can't shoot, but if it's a if it's a bunch of guards and wings otherwise who can shoot, use him as more of a role man. He's got the hops to go up and similar to I mean like bigger KJ Martin, I would say. And Martin's a more vertical athlete, but you have to be when you're four inches shorter. So I'd say you probably use him similarly to Martin offensively and, and hope that he's just a more impactful defender. And then we're talking about how many minutes is he actually playing out there on the floor with those guys in that role? And should he be out there? Let's say the ball swings to him in the corner and someone you know, closes out you know, soft on him on the perimeter. 
he does have the skills to put the ball yeah. on the floor yeah. to at least get by that defender and maybe finish at the rim and, and get his points that He's way. He's definitely one of and those that guys that you watch things. and just go, man, if he could just ever develop that jumper, he can be a useful NBA player. And yeah. He just never developed the jumper. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Best of luck to 10 day contract. When does it officially start? Is it Wednesday when they start practice again? Or it is it, it's Wednesday, That's a right? Good question. I would imagine they'll wait until Wednesday, Wednesday. or even There's Thursday. No to start the clock yeah. when nobody's around. To yeah. announce it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. They won't say anything until then, is what I would say. Yeah. And before we guess. before we get to the Atlantic Division, the second coach in the Eastern Conference to get fired. I want to tell everybody about our PHLY Locker. Uh, dot com. You see uh, Derek with the new hoodie on. The It's and a the Philly thing uh, right there. And the hat. So he's matching Just again. Just a walking billboard today. PHLYlocker.com. You can check out our newest hoodies. The It's a Philly thing that Derek has on right now. I say, I might have to get PHLY myself one of those now that I've seen it in person. Football and our show, the PHLY Sixers podcast, the Royal Blue uh, right there as well, phlylocker.com. So go check it out. I have the one of the original uh, hoodies on right now with the the uh, the mascot. What's his Nux? Is it Nux? Nux? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The mascot. You put me on a spot like that. All right, my bad. I don't, I don't you don't know, know the mascot name. Come on, bro. <laughs> All right, my bad. You've only been working here how many months now? <laughs> and the hat that Derek currently has on the golf hat, the dad hat that Kyle uh, has uh, on on deck next. The flat brim and the trucker hat, phlylocker.com. Go check it all out to get your, your merchandise. All right. Good segue. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Ollie has emerged as the leader to be the interim Brooklyn Nets head coach. Sense. Yeah, he's interviewed for some head coaching jobs. He's been there all season. So we'll see what KO, former Sixer, KO, what he does, because I imagine that he would be the one to get that one for the final whatever many games that they have, 20-plus games that they have. All right, that's because Jacques Vaughn fired by the Brooklyn Nets. And that's the second coach of the Eastern Conference to be fired this season. Doc Rivers taking over for Adrian Griffin. Different type of team, of course, uh, but the the Brooklyn Nets have been struggling this year. To, to, to Just lost mildly. by 50 last game before the All-Star little break. A little bit, a little bit, a little disappointing. They I'm going to say, Devon, if you're going to... Back-to-back against Boston. If you're going to start trying to tamper, getting the coach fired is step one. So good job. I'm going to credit you for this one. You know, I have, my plant that with, seed, you know? I have my <laughs> issues with Jacques Vaughn from afar. <laughs> and and I spoke to Sean Mark. So everybody wants me to speak to one person. <laughs> I'm speaking to another person saying, hey, this offense sucks. Figure it out, <laughs> Australian general manager. Figure it out. But Jack Vaughn fired. Oh, no love for the Aussies, huh? Uh, well, you know. If, if, listen, so how does Mikhail feel about Kevin? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> don't know. It's not, it's not I my love business. the Aussies other than, you know, the guy who used to be here, by the way. Oh, uh, you know. Had like a great that? trip to Australia last summer. Yeah, it's pretty good. Actually, this hoodie is from Australia. On brand. Right yeah, there. buddy. All right, what do you make of it? Um your your tampering is working. Uh, number one, there uh, you number go. two, I would say I'm not trying to get you in trouble or anything, Devon. But I would say if I'm just listening, if we are seeing a coach get fired, and the immediate reporting is that Spencer Dinwiddie now gone, but Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, and other veterans on the Nets are unhappy with where things are, I would say that that's a sign that things are. From the Nets' perspective, trending in the wrong direction. From the Sixers' perspective, they're trending in the right direction because, as Derek said, this is the first step toward 
okay, maybe Mikael Bridges well, could become available at some point. My pushback to that is from the Thunder perspective, it is trending in the right direction. But that's well, just my doomer nature. I, listen, man, the, the Thunder are this big boogie team for everyone. We've been given no indication that Presti wants to make an all-in move basically ever. When's the la- What's the last push chips in move but that they that made. might just be because he's a smart gm who knows that there are only ones worth pouncing for and who keeps it under wraps how long has he had the job he's been there for like forever sure, over 15 years i think it makes sense for him because first of all not only do they have like a billion first round picks to trade they have max cap space they have too it makes sense to let your players develop and see what you have before you go in for that one big move i'm, I'm just i'm it was I just under, a doomer look, joke i think, doomer I think joke. sam presti is a very smart guy that goes without saying you look at the success they've had in a market that it should be very difficult for them to have success relative to other teams all i'm saying is i don't i've been given no indication based on his track record that he's just gonna unload the clip for a guy like i don't i don't know we'll see maybe the opportunity presents itself and the last time he did it was happens. for paul george paul right? george yeah and that was Russell Westbrook stumping pretty hard to mm-hmm. get him specific. So I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, I, I think it's important that at least for the Sixers, that Brooklyn is, I'd say teetering on the edge of this could go either way. I know we've said on the show and it's been reported. They're a team that wants to be in the mix for, for example, Donovan Mitchell. And that that's a, if they could pair him with McHale in New York where Donovan wants to play. They would like to do that. I continue to think that's the path for an organization that is going to put a ceiling on itself and, and not get to where they were hoping to get to by having KD and Kyrie and James and all them. But door looks like it's at least cracking open for the Sixers. And this is one of many potential opportunities where we were, we've been talking about it a lot where they're going to get to June and they're going to look around if Kevin Ollie comes in and not to say that you base your future decisions on how an interim head coach does over, you know, 20, whatever games, 30 games. But if Kevin Ollie comes in and the offense is still bad and they're losing and kind of directionless, Brooklyn is primed for some sort of big move this summer. The direction they go in hard to say right now, but Sean Marks, I think, is going to be feeling the heat a little bit. I'd say that. Yeah, one way or the other, they're going to have some some big decisions to make. Not only, number one, you just fired your coach. You, it's either going to be Kevin Alley did so great with these 28 games remaining or just the placeholder, as we talked about earlier with Darius Baisley, where they're going to make a move to bring in a, a much better head coach for, because they probably can't, after having Jacques Vaughn for what he did, probably can't fi- follow that up with... Kevin Ali as your, your guy going forward. You're going to have to probably make a, a, a pretty good splash day to bring someone else in. So that's one. And then then there's the talent on the floor. The talent on the floor, if if they don't get things together here in these 28 games under Kevin Ali, they are right now two and a half games back of the 10th spot for the play-in behind the Atlanta Hawks. They don't want to be a play-in team. They want to be a playoff team like they were last season where they locked in that sixth seed. And so what's going to happen to Donovan Mitchell piece if they can't land someone like Donovan Mitchell or DeJounte Murray? And also, how do they land a guy like that? Like, what? Right. Are they just getting rid how of all the Phoenix stuff for? Right. How do they do it? Because they're in a really tricky spot. So the other big piece of that is 
do they really consider listening for the offers for Mikhail to start over, basically, because they're looking at it as a team right now where they need to rebuild. If they don't land one of those other top to go with Kale, then they're going to have to figure something out because they're going to have to make a big decision this summer. That Brooklyn fan base right now is not happy. And many of them wanted Jacques Vaughn fired a long time ago. And it's not just Spencer Dinwiddie who's already gone or the report saying that Kale had has shared his thoughts. Cam Thomas, for say what you want about him as a scorer, ticked off that he was coming off the bench because he felt like, I can't, I, what, do you, what else do you want me to do? Well, play some pass defense, the ball, maybe. pass the basketball. <laughs> but that's, a, you know, it's not just He is those a bucket, two. but that is all he is. Yes, it's, not, it's not, just, not just those two that you would hear or at least get the sense that they were frustrated with that Brooklyn Nets situation. So we'll, we'll see what happens but in, during these 28 games to wrap up the season. But it just wasn't a good situation. And I, watching them as much as I did, I didn't think Jacques Vaughn did a great job. But I also know that it cannot be just the, the head coach anymore. Now the finger pointing is going to start at the top because Sean Marks has been there. Wasn't his fault, kind of a little bit of his fault, but not his fault with how things played out with Durant, Irving, and, and Harden. But it's not the coaches anymore because he's putting the players on the floor also. Finger pointing is going to start there too, and that's where the owner is going to have to step in, Josiah. Yeah. And look, I, I just think this is another example of, you know, Daryl Morey made a bet at the trade deadline that something will happen. Will it end up being Bridges? We don't know. But this is just showing that things will change. Teams will be forced into making decisions that maybe they didn't want to make at the deadline. And Daryl felt like keeping his, his first round picks, which could grow to as many as five that he can trade in the summer, keeping them in his back pocket was worthwhile because something will happen. Do I know if Mikhail will become available? No. Do I know if that happens, if the Sixers have the best offer? No. But I think Daryl's argument will be that something will happen and they can pounce. And he better be right because they're just, like we've mentioned a bunch, there's a small window of time where they either have cap space or stuff to trade while still having a chance to really make a run here. Um, but I do think uh, this example that he is making that bet. And at the very least, doing his job of, as we saw from those reports, about LeBron James and the three Phoenix Suns yes. player, you make the phone call. You at least he will make a phone. You call. make I'm the phone call to find out if, in fact, he is available, and that's what you leave this type of cap space no open for, and the the treasure chest of picks that you have, the, in, in no particular order. He's probably in that order of available players that you would at least make the phone call for, and maybe give up those 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 picks for. Oh, I mean. I would almost guarantee that <laughs> he's probably on the phone. That right already happened now. as soon yeah. as Jacques Vaughn was fired. Yeah. That was like a, hey, so do you want to revisit this in uh, June, perhaps on draft night? I, I think that's the wheels are probably already in motion there, if I had to guess. Well, hey, we'll see what happens. You know who else he's is not in a motion? Coach killer, so let's the say Doc that. Rivers excuse machine is in motion already, yes. apparently. Man, that. He, so didn't great, even, I, he didn't even want the job yet. Oh he my. wanted somebody else to get these losses on his resume. So just bad. That's uh, for anybody who <laughs> happened to miss it. And I hope you did. I hope you were paying no attention to also the all-star. Reported by friend of the pod, your own Weitzman. Your own Weitzman. Yes. At, at Fox Sports. Show many times. Yep. Yeah. So Doc Rivers at all-star said this quote, taking a job when you're about to go on the toughest road trip of the season 
is not the smartest decision. Tell I them even that. I even told them that. Can we wait till All Star break? Can you bet? It would have been a lot nicer. End quote. He's basically saying I wanted these losses on somebody else's resume. What and are you that, doing? And that to me, doing? this might be of anything Doc has ever said. <laughs> this puts in the clearest terms that he is about himself and not helping other people. And the reason that you know that's true is that after this season's over and the Bucks inevitably flame out without winning a title, Doc is going to get up on that podium yep. and he's going to say, well, we just didn't have enough time. Like I, I didn't have enough time to put things together. Meanwhile, he's telling you right now, well, you know, I would have liked to just like essentially forfeit weeks that I could spend with the team because it was hard. You know, it would have just been easier <laughs> to come in at the all-star break. It was difficult for me to do my fucking job. So I'd rather just not do it until the all-star break starts. And that's the mentality of a guy who's worried about his record rather than what work can I get done between now and the break that sets us up for the most success after the break. I'm sure that he's done so. He's installed things. They've changed how they played defense. Their offense has suffered. But like also... We're calling this the most difficult road trip of the year. Bro, you lost to fucking Portland. <laughs> you lost to a Miami team that the Sixers played to almost a standstill with like eight guys available. A Miami team without Jimmy Butler. F. Dude, they lost to Memphis the final game of the All-Star break. Memphis was playing. It's not even a G League team. They that, had was like a, that was like a CYO team that you lost to. So save me the nonsense. Of, oh, 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 my God. How hard that road trip you also came back and got to beat up on the Charlotte Hornets, bro. Like, shut the fuck up. It's well, the excuses. It's the, the <laughs> fact that some people were standing up for Doc when he took the job. While, you know, we're all killing. Some people standing up and it's like, wait a minute, guys, what are you talking about? But the that was one of the first things that stood out to me is, again, I told them, can we wait? Because you were talking to them for a long time be before <laughs> he even got fired. Come on, man. And to your point, which I think was the right one. All right, so he had to coach an all-star weekend. I'm sure that was torturous for him. He really wanted to get that golf in. But then you come back, you have three days in a row of practice to try to implement your system. If he came in after the all-star break, he'd be going, man, we never practiced. It'd be really great to have <laughs> yep. a chance to, you yep. know, it's just changing the excuse. It's all Doc is looking to, it's, it's just, it's wild. He keeps getting away with it. It's wild. And look, as with everything Doc says, <laughs> there is some truth within the statement, right? A coach taking a job, mid-season for a team with these expectations with Dame, a storied top 75 player struggling. It's not easy, right? Then don't take the job. If you don't want to take the job, don't take the job. I could also tell you, I know ESPN was not happy about how Doc left that job. <laughs> you think? <laughs> also, of course. He was supposed to do the finals. I, I don't know what his contract situation was. What is outs are or anything like that uh, i could almost guarantee you they were not pleased about how no, all that you know there was con there was some some language in that contract that if a job came along yeah uh, yeah but he of course gave them reinsurances he would be there for more than three months but yeah. to your point no is it easy of course not that's what the 40 million dollars is for 
It's the Don Draper in, in Mad yes. Men. That's what the money's for. <laughs> he also set out the first game after what two days? <laughs> yeah, Joe set, Joe Prunty had a better record yeah. than him as a head coach. <laughs> what are we talking about here? You're getting paid forty million dollars to coach basketball. Hey. Well, that's what I'm trying to. Did he want it on Griffin's record, or did he want these losses on like Prince on the interim Prince. coaches? Yeah. Like, Justice for Adrian Griffin, man. Like as much as I uh, did not believe in him. Listen, he he did He went thirty and thirteen. Doc's three and seven. Now I'm to, on your side about the Doc part, but there's no justice for <laughs> no. what the hell Adrian I'm, Griffin I'm, did. I'm exaggerating for a fact. I'm just <laughs> all I'm saying is like this guy's getting. But no, like like Derek said, don't take the job then. Wait till next summer. Let the interim guy, let Joe Prunty run the rest of the season, and you you say, you know what? Let me. Let me do what I told ESPN I'm going to do, and I'll be there for the finals, and then I'll come in in the offseason because I need time. And Doc's not turning down $40 million and being in front no, of a camera every not. day? No, he is not. Nobody wants you to know how hard their job is more than Doc yes. Rivers does. That, that's more the point. I, I sympathize with the task that he has. With The roster is set up in a way that will make it challenging to be as good of a two-way team as they need to be. I said it when they made the trade, still believe they have issues. You knew that taking the job. Nobody wants to hear you cry while you wipe your ass with $100 bills from all the money you're making Again. coaching a basketball team. Again. That's, Again. That's all it is. Come on, man. All he has to do is get his team right for the playoffs. They're making the playoffs. Just get the team right and stop complaining about it. Just terrible. Well, I remember his initial reaction to getting the job. I wouldn't wish this on anyone. What are you freaking talking about? Oh, like, yeah, I, I can't believe wanted. anybody would want to take a job where Giannis, an all-time great player, is having his best ever individual season. Can you imagine taking that job, how hard that would be? Just terrible. All right. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get out of here on that note. Schedule loss, my ass. Schedule loss for Doc Rivers. Well, this was a fun one, talking about the All-Star Darius Baisley, Jock Vaughn getting fired, and Doc Rivers probably has something to do with that too, getting Jock Vaughn fired in Brooklyn because that's what he does. Kyle, we got a lot of people to thank on the starter. We got a busy week, everybody. We Today do. and tomorrow, 2.30, we're off on Wednesday, but we have our takeover on Friday. That's the day after the Sixers restart the season. 28 games left. They start with the New York Knicks at the arena, so make sure you're all in the building to represent your team because you know those stinking Knicks fans are going to try to come in and have their voices heard in South Philadelphia. So make sure you're in the building for then. But then on Friday, of course, we have our takeover. So we have a busy week here with you. We're back on Sunday, too, because they have a big game on Sunday. Is that the Bucks game? At 1 p.m., third at game in four days against, against Doc what? Rivers. I already did my thing on the schedule. I'm, I know. I have to deal with Doc Rivers at 11.30 on a Sunday. <laughs> like, Jesus, man, what kind of BS scheduling is this? Anyway, All guys. Right, let's get him. Yeah, also, we're going to have to touch on this tomorrow. Apparently, Pat Bev is talking trash about Kyle Lowry. So, Oh. I haven't seen or heard the quotes yet, but I did get a Hopefully, Kyle Lowry's for ready for Sunday, then. <laughs> Gets the bus. You know who's ready? All our wonderful people in the chat. Saw a lot of you today, despite some initial technical difficulties, apparently. So thank you to everyone who stuck with us. Appreciate we got it. thank yous for Darnell, Liam Stevens, who just joined the Discord the other day. What up, Liam? Shout out to Liam. We got Money Mar. We got Fusion. We got Petey Siegel. P. 
Petey Siegel. We got Brian Knight. We got Bootzilla. We got our guy Al. The two-minute warning. Austin Crowell getting free pub. What a shame. <laughs> Spiral out. We got Derek Bodner. Oh, my God. Do I know him? What up, Derek? We got so, Will, my guy. Let's see. We got... Did I say Money Mar already? You said Money Mar. We got Mar. Money Mar. We got Biggie545. We got Randy Rubart, who's here all the time. We got Martian Lynch. What up, Martian? Let's see. Sorry, guys. This is always just such a challenge scrolling up through. We got Fresh Prince. We got Coach Lowell Ricketts. All right. What to, up, Coach? To end this show, I'm going to ask you guys to subscribe. I'm going to ask you guys to hit the bell icon. Because each and every time you do, you will get notifications when we go live. Look at that. And if you hit the thumbs up button, which I hope you will, I'm going to chug the rest of this beer to end the show. There you go. And of course, our show is brought to you by Coors Light. The two guys, look at these guys, the official beer sponsor of the PHLY Sixes podcast. Thank you, Coors Light. Thank you to all of you. Thank you to Bree. For Derek and Kyle, I'm Devon. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 2.30, right here on the PHLY Sixes podcast. <laughs> 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 <laughs>